Welcome to Sports Spectrum, the sports and faith podcast that brings Jesus back into the conversation. Here's your host, Jason Romano. This episode of the Sports Spectrum Podcast, part one of our conversation with former Major League Baseball coach Rich Donnelly, is brought to you by Compassion International. $38 a month, sponsor a child with Compassion International. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and you can make a difference in a child's life by releasing them from poverty. We're all looking for a place to make a difference. We're always looking for places where we can make an impact. Compassion International presents that opportunity for you, directly impacting a child's life across the world. Go to Compassion.com slash Spectrum. Check out all the children that are waiting for you to sponsor them and make an impact on their life. Sponsor a child today, go to Compassion.com slash Spectrum. I promise you, you won't regret it. Today's guest on the podcast is Rich Donnelly, the former Major League Baseball coach. 48 seasons in professional baseball for Rich. Signed as a catcher way back in the 1967 with the Minnesota Twins. Played four seasons with the Twins and the Senators. Uh, and actually mentions in this podcast that Ted Williams, the famous, uh, you know, all-time great Hall of Fame baseball player, the splendid splinter from the Red Sox, was his manager, which is kind of cool. Um, Ted, of course, passed away many years ago, but uh, Rich played baseball early in his career and then quickly transitioned into coaching and was a minor league manager for many seasons and then came to the majors 25 years he spent as a Major League Baseball coach with the Rangers, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Florida Marlins, the Colorado Rockies, the Milwaukee Brewers, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Seattle Mariners. And recently, just in the last couple years, he spent time in the Mets organization as a minor league coach in Brooklyn, including 2018. But this story is way more than just a baseball story. And Rich is a part of a new book that is out called The Chicken Runs at Midnight, written by ESPN writer Tom Friend. Uh, the, the forward was written by Tim Kirkshin. And the story is, as it says on the back of the book, one of the most inspirational stories of sports and faith ever told. The Chicken Runs at Midnight introduces us to a Major League Baseball coach whose dying daughter's words changed his heart for good. This nearly unbelievable but totally true story reminds us that God can work in our lives even when we think it's too late to change. And sometimes he sends us signs from heaven if we only have eyes to see. This is a powerful, powerful story that is almost too good to be true. And we wanted to go right to the horse's mouth with Rich Donnelly himself to tell the story. So this is part one of a two-part conversation because we talk even more uh, to Rich in part two about his life because The Chicken Runs at Midnight is more about the relationship that Rich has with his daughter. And part two of our conversation tomorrow, you know, Rich has been through some crazy things just in the past five, six, seven years um, that we also hear about. But today, part one of our conversation introduces us to what The Chicken Runs at Midnight is. And you're going to love it. I'm telling you right now, it's an incredible story. uh, And it's just, it blew my mind as I listened to him tell it and kind of how it's really not only brought him closer to God, but how it just aligned, you know, and how God works in what they say, mysterious ways, right? Uh, He was working in some crazy ways here through the life of Rich Donnelly and his daughter, Amy. So let's get to it. Part one of our conversation 
former Major League Baseball coach, the chicken runs at midnight himself, Rich Donnelly, joins us here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Take a listen. Rich, welcome to the show. Chase, thank you. Good to be here. Good to talk to you, Rich. Uh, your story, I just finished reading the book. It's amazing, fantastic book, and it's your story is full of ups and downs and twists and turns and uh, that book, the the chicken runs at midnight, is just phenomenal. I'm going to mention it a million times probably in this interview. I, I can't recommend it highly enough for people to get. But before we get to the story and exactly what the chicken runs at midnight is, and then the story after the story, and the story of the story after the story, take us take us back. Give us a snapshot of your life growing up, playing pro ball, going into coaching. What baseball meant to you? Well, I was raised in Steubenville, Ohio. Steubenville was a uh, was a wide open town back when I was a little kid. Uh, it's the home of Dean Martin. It's the home of Jimmy the Greek. Yeah. Uh, and like I say, wide open gambling. And even in the book, I chronicle when I was in the first grade, my dad gave me a parlay sheet and I picked three teams and uh, he put five bucks in and we played a three team parlay. But when I was in class in the first grade <clears throat> at the Holy Name Cathedral, Sister Rosalie walked up and down the aisle and said, Mr. Donnelly, what's that you got there? And I tried to hide it. And I go, oh, nothing, sister, nothing. And then I had to tell her, that's a parlay sheet, sister. She goes, well, how's that work? <laughs> and I go, well, you, you take a high state, Michigan and Wisconsin, three teams, and there's a spot on the game, and you give my dad five bucks, and he'll play a three-team parlay. And I thought she was going to, you know, make me come to detention or paddle me or something, and all of a sudden, she reaches into her habit and pulls out five bucks, and she says, here, you, you give us five to your dad. You play those three teams for me, too. So <laughs> that's the way it was in Steubenville growing up. Uh, when I was uh, about eight, I had a brother, Romy, Jerome Romy. He went to Notre Dame, pitcher, became, uh, well, he was All-State, All-American, all that stuff, and he signed with the Reds, played pro ball. My dad's dream was that Romy's going to pitch in a big league someday, however, uh, he got married, had four boys, and at 28 years old, contacted Hodgkin's disease, and he passed away when I was 14. Mm. So he was my hero and taught me everything, made me a catcher. Now, when when Romy passes away, right before he said, boy, I feel sorry for you. Dad's going to be tough on you because he wanted me to make the big leagues. Now, here you come. And Dad was strict uh, and somewhat abusive. Uh, no, no driver's license till you're 21, no girls till you're 21. Uh, when you struck out in little league, you got whipped with a, with a belt. And, uh, if you made an error, you got whipped. Hmm. So, but my dad's goal was for me to be in the big leagues and no, uh, on days of games in little league, no, no TV, stay on the porch all day. And my my little league game was not funning games and go get ice cream after my game. That was like a major league game to me and my dad. And we attacked it like that. So my career goes on. I go to college at Xavier. I get drafted by the Yankees and I get drafted on a Friday. And the scout who drafted me, Pat Patterson, on Saturday morning, he has a heart attack and dies. Oh, so so wow. no one had seen me, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I end up signing with the Twins. And then during the uh, one of the winners, I get drafted by the Senators. I go to spring training. My manager is Ted Williams. Wow, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I'm unbelievable. Uh, I play four years of pro ball, uh, two years in A, two years of AAA, and then I become a manager at 25 years old in a Ranger organization. 
and Billy Martin was the manager then of the Rangers. And uh, one of his pitching coaches was Art Fowler, a, a veteran pitcher who I played with in the minor leagues. And he told Billy to take me to spring training. And I, you know, I went to spring training with the Rangers and I was a minor league manager, but I could throw BP and Billy loved me. And I wanted to be like Billy Martin, <clears throat> except off the field. I didn't want to be like Billy Martin because <laughs> Billy, they, we called Billy the man who feared sleep. I mean, when the game was over, he went out and he wasn't coming home till the, till the, uh, we had to be on the field the next morning. So I wanted to be like Billy on the field and then sort of I wanted to be like Billy off the field. But anyway, my goal was to be a big league coach. And I had to manage 10 years in the minors until I got my first opportunity. Pat Corrales, a great, um, great guy, former manager of uh, the Rangers and the Cleveland. He uh, took me to the big leagues and I finally made it. But on the way, I, uh, I discarded everything in my path, including my family. And that's what sort of the book is about. I had this goal in mind to get to the big leagues and I would do anything possible, even go out of my character. Uh, if, if guys wanted to go out and drink and run around all night, well, that's what I did because I knew if I didn't, they might, they might fire me or look down on me or whatever. So I lost my principles. I lost my faith. I lost everything. And in the meantime, I lost my family. I had four beautiful kids. Of course, my daughter, Amy, and I didn't know that uh, all this journey that I was her hero. Uh, I was going so fast to try to get to the big leagues. I didn't even see her. She was on the sidelines and I put my family on the back burner and ended up losing my family, got divorced. And, uh, and then that's where the chicken runs a midnight story starts. Yeah, it's amazing that all of that isn't even the beginning of the story. Right, right. There's yeah, <laughs> so much of your life there. Absolutely. We're talking to Rich Donnelly here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. Rich, tell me about faith growing up. Maybe not now, and maybe not even during the time of when the chicken runs at midnight takes place. But this is a faith and sports podcast. So where is faith growing up? Did you go to church? Was oh. I, I mean, obviously, you, you, you teaching the sister <laughs> how to gamble. Yeah. But tell me about like faith and what that was like in your life, uh, just growing up and even into your <laughs> baseball career. Jason, I, I was brought up a Catholic, but I was more than that. I was an A-plus Catholic. A-plus. <laughs> uh, I went to church every day, altar boy, bishop server, uh, learned all the stuff in Latin. Uh, I love the church, love being in, in church. Uh, went to, uh, said three decades of the rosary every day, said my night prayers, said my morning prayers, uh, made visits to the church after I went to church. Uh, and I was, I told, uh, I, I was given a speech the other day at the University of Wisconsin, and there was a priest in the audience, and I told him, I said, listen, here's, here's how strong a Catholic I was. If I went to a church and I went in, at the homily, which was about halfway through the mass, yeah, I would stay to the next mass till the homily to make sure I had one complete mass. <laughs> and, That's discipline, <laughs> and because I felt if I didn't, it was a, it was a mortal sin. So I was brought up very strict Catholic, and I loved it, and I loved it. But there was a conflict in me always with baseball and 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 faith. That can you do both? And I thought you, when I was younger, that you couldn't that if you wanted to be a big league coach, player, manager, whatever, you couldn't be a church goer. goer. You had to be a tough guy. You couldn't be uh, going to church. 
because the players or somebody would make fun of you. And so, and I, and I tell this story unashamedly or, or ashamedly. I used to crawl to church on, in Pompano Beach in a parking lot. I'd crawl on my hands and knees. I'm 29 years old. Crawling on my hands and knees in a parking lot so no one would see me so I could get to the church. Because if they saw me, they would make fun of me. Wow. And I wanted to be a tough guy. I thought every guy in the big leagues, they chew tobacco, they run around, they drink, they drink, they run around with women. And that's the way big leaguers were. And I wanted to be part of that crowd. And at the time, I thought that was the only way to do it. So... I, I got way off track. I, I, I say all the time, Jace, that I uh, uh, run, that life is like running the bases in baseball. You, you run to first, it's easy, then you go to second. And uh, when I went to second, I got way out of the baseline and way out of the baseline. And I needed something to grab me and get me back in the baseline. And uh, that's where my daughter illness came in and – her and my wife, Roberta, my second wife, they got me back into baseline. And they served, actually, Jace, as my third base coaches. That's what I do for a living. Mm. I've waved in Barry Bonds, Larry Walker, uh, you know, everybody. I, that was my job. To, and, and where do you wave them? You wave them back to home, which is the ultimate in baseball, to get home, back home, score that run. And in life, they waved me back to where I was most happiest in my life, with my faith, with all my principles, back home so it's ironic that they became my third base coaches that's great yeah it is ironic and, and obviously your baseball career uh starts to really take shape in 86 when you come to the pirates and jim leland's the coach there and you start to you mentioned barry bonds and, and bobby bonilla and those teams jose lean there's some great players on those on those late 80s early 90s pirates teams and then that team starts to kind of make a run here and win some titles in the NL East in 1990 and things start to take place. And then uh, baseball intersects with life. And you mentioned your daughter, Amy. Uh, so tell us about Amy and you mentioned the illness and that's where the chicken runs at midnight story really kind of starts uh, in February of 92. So take us to where you are in life as a Pirates coach and then everything that starts to begin to transpire with your daughter, Amy. Yeah, I was with the Pirates, and uh, we're in 92, and we're in the third year of a, of a pretty good run. We were the best team in baseball. We knew it. It was fun. Job security was no problem. I was with the best manager and best man in the world, Jim Leland. Uh, I'm rooming with him, and I'm on the floor after a spring training workout. I used to, like, lay on the floor and watch TV, and mm. I get a phone call about 2 in the afternoon, and it's Amy. That's a strange time to call. And she goes, hey, Dad, this is Ames. That's what I called her. I says, Ames, what's up? What's going on? She said, Dad, I got something I got to tell you. And I thought, uh-oh, what's this going to be? You know, and she says, Dad, I have a brain tumor and I'm sorry. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I was already sitting down or else I'd have fell down. She apologized she, to you. She apologized. That's the part that I always remember. That's the part that got me that day. Wow. She was more concerned that I would be upset for her getting a brain tumor, which she had nothing to do with. Yeah. And uh, five days later, uh, I talked to her mom. They were having surgery. Of course, I flew to Arlington. They had the surgery. Uh, my wife, ex-wife Peggy, her mom, we go into the room, and doctor comes out. And he said, I want to talk to both of you. And I said, oh, boy, this is not going to be good. 
And before he talked, I just said, Doc, stop with all the stuff. Tell me straight up. He says, Rich, straight up. The prognosis is it's a terrible tumor. It's malignant. And she has nine months to live. And uh, I got up and started to run out. And I don't know where I was running to. I just wanted to run out and scream in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And my wife grabbed me. She said, come back in here. And he told me. And um, I tell you what, you feel so in- insignificant as a human being. And you start thinking of all the things that you did in your life. And I blame myself for everything. And I, I said, this is what I get. This is what I get for acting acting like a nut for those years. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, we go through the summer. Amy gets the chemo. She's doing good. I'm in Pittsburgh. She's in a Dallas Children's Hospital getting her chemo. And uh, periodically, you know, we go see her and talk. And then uh, right during the summer, she's talking to Uncle Jim Leland on the phone. She goes, Uncle Jim, I want to come up to the playoffs. He says, you're coming. So we make arrangements for her to come up. She only could come for one day. She came to the fifth game of the playoffs between Atlanta and her and her friend Cindy come. And after the game is over, we're driving back to the hotel and she reaches in the back seat. She re- puts her arms around my neck. I'll never forget it. And she just gets up in my face. She goes, dad, she goes, Hey dad, when you get down that stance, what are you telling those guys? The chicken runs at midnight or what? I go, what the heck? What is that? The chicken runs. And we start laughing. And her brother, Tim and Mike, and we're how and Bubba, we're laughing. And Amy, they're they're just laughing the whole time back to the hotel. So that becomes our family motto. When Amy goes back to Texas, she's writing letters, and we write letters. We didn't have Twitter and cell phones back then. And we write letters, and every time we talk, that's what we'd say at the end. Chicka runs at midnight. Chicka runs at midnight. Sign the letters. C-R-A-M. I still got the letters. We, uh, we, We posted some of them in the book. Uh, C-R-A-M. And Amy was a great letter writer. She was writing letters all the time. So anyway, uh, we got beat by Atlanta in that series, did not get to go to the World Series. Uh, That's October. January, maybe 1st, Amy lapses into a coma. I go down there. I stay in the hospital with her for three weeks. She's in a coma. And January 28th, 93, she passes away. So we thought to honor her uh, the best way we could we would put the chicken runs at midnight on her tombstone is what we did. So we put that on her and we laughed about it. And that's still our family motto, even to this day. But five years later, we go to Florida with Jim Leland Marlins, never thinking about playoffs or world series or nothing. That was like light years away. Well, sure enough, we get into the world, the playoffs, we beat the giants, we beat the Braves. Now we get to the world series, but right before we got in there, we acquired a second baseman named Craig Council, who, of course, now is a manager of the Brewers. And uh, uh, Jim got him, and and he didn't look like too much. He, you know, he couldn't run, he couldn't hit, <laughs> and he had no range. But, and, and, but when he hit, he held his hand, uh, bat real high, and he flapped his arms. So my sons, Tim and Mike, called him the chicken man all summer. And we never thought anything of it. Tim would come in and say, hey, Dad, the chicken wants to take some ground balls. Hey, Mike, hey, the chicken wants to hit some. Okay, he's a chicken. I never call him a chicken. I call him Counts all the time. But they call him privately the chicken. He's the chicken. So as we go on, we get into the playoffs, World Series, and sure enough, 11th inning against the Indians, 70,000 people, 
at Pro Player Stadium back then they called it. And I'm standing right next to Craig on third base, and Edgar Renteria gets the base hit off Charles Nagy. We are the world champions. That is the pinnacle of your career in baseball. Sure. I jump about 10 feet in the air. <laughs> Everybody's madness. And I'm trying to find Tim or Mike, Bat Boys. And I finally, I mean, it's a there's pileups all over the infield, and I about got smothered. Thank God Alex Fernandez pulled me out of a pile or I'd be dead. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> breathe. There was like 25 guys on top of me. Right. And I get up, and I got grass stains all over me. I lost my hat. And I see Tim running at me, and we hug. In fact, I just saw the picture, Jason, the other day. I didn't even know there was a picture of us. Wow. We're hugging between first and second. And he's screaming and crying. I'm going, what's wrong with you? What are you screaming for? And he says, Dad, Dad, look at the clock. I said, what clock? He said, look at the stadium clock behind you. I looked at the stadium clock where I coached third behind. It was 12.02. He said, Dad, the chicken ran at midnight. And... <laughs> Every ounce of emotion in my body went limp. Uh, Craig Council, the chicken, scored the winning run at midnight. And basically, in a nutshell, that's that's the story. That's amazing. I, I want to unpack a lot of that, if that's okay. I'm going to go backwards a little bit. Sure. I love I loved that. I mean, the, the, the title of the book, again, is called The Chicken Runs at Midnight, uh, of course. And there's a picture on the cover of sort of a made-up baseball field with the score 2-2 two to two between mm -hmm. the Marlins and the Indians, and it's the World Series, and it says 11.59, and so it's almost midnight. It's a great yep. story. It's a great cover, and the book, again, The Chicken Runs at Midnight, A Daughter's Message from Heaven That Changed a Father's Heart and Won a World Series, and Rich Donnelly is our guest here on the podcast. Okay, I want to go back a little bit, Rich. The the story with Amy and and going through what – what you had to go through as a dad, it's, you know, they always say it's every parent's nightmare to go through what you went through uh, with her. And she was how old? 18 when she found out? Yes. yes. 18 years old, right? And passed at 19. Am I right on that? Yes, I believe you. Just 19. So you said earlier, and you kind of, you know, as you were kind of going through your story quickly, mentioned that you lost your brother when you were 14. He was 28. This is, a, I guess, a, it's something that just came into my mind. Does that help you kind of deal with your daughter's death in the way that you saw your brother pass at such a young age, just going yeah. through it? Did that help you? Yes, a little bit. Yeah. I was, I, uh, I remember when that happened in 1961, and when Romy passed away, uh, I remember laying in bed one night, and I was 14, and of course I was devastated. That was my hero. Uh, he, he taught me everything. Yeah. And uh, I remember, I could say I was strong in my faith. And I said, just Lord, get, give me the strength to get through this. And I, and I said to myself, you know what? If I can handle this, I can handle anything. And, and in a funny way, yes, it did help me when, when Amy passed away. Because I had been through a, a very, very, very tough death in our family and at, at such a young age. And I always tell people I've had two heroes in my life with my brother and and my daughter. And then, of course, later on, and we'll tell the story of my other kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's more. There's just so there's much more. more. It's there's amazing. More. I, I don't know how you're you're able to even stay as positive as you are, Rich, in, in going through all this. And I think that has to, you know, to be a part of your faith, I would imagine. But let me ask you this about your faith. It, so many of us who who believe in God and who who believe in Jesus, you know, I think there's a 
there's an outside looking in view that, you know, it's, it's going to help you get through and you stay positive and everything's fine. But I think a, a lot of times we need to allow ourselves to be angry with God or to question him and just wonder without ever questioning who he is, but questioning why he's doing what he's doing. Did you allow yourself to do that uh, at all during the process and all you were going through with Amy? Yes, I did. I, 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 I felt that I, in a strange way, I caused it. I mm-hmm. said, this is, this is what I get for acting the way I acted. Uh, and I felt, I felt guilty. I never blamed God, but I felt guilty that you dummy, you, somebody was trying to get a hold of you. They were trying to tell you to change your life. Now, maybe you, now maybe this will shake you enough. And it did shake me. It, it, it shook me beyond, beyond belief to where, uh, Amy wanted me to be a good person. She wanted, she, like I say, I was her hero. I was her hero. I didn't know it. She was more like me than any of my kids. She had a temper like me. She had a, a sense of humor like me. She didn't take no crap from nobody like me. And I didn't see it until later. In fact, uh, as we were driving back from the hospital, when she passed away, Jason, her, her grandmother and I were driving back to home and her grandmother, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a daze yeah. and she reaches over and grabs my arm and looks me right in the eye, and she says, Rich, do you have any idea how much Amy loved you and you were her hero? And I had to give the worst answer I have ever given to anything in my life. I went, no, I didn't. And that's the part of the book that I try to get across to people is that I didn't even know I was a hero and how much my daughter loved me. I just didn't know it because I was on that fast track to satisfy my ego of getting to the big leagues. And uh, sometimes you have a dream and everybody wants a goal in their life to be something. And sometimes in our, in our life and mine, I went right by my family and didn't even see them as I was charging to get my goal to the big leagues. That was part one of our conversation with Rich Donnelly, the former major league baseball coach. And if that just doesn't make you shake your head, like, wow, uh, there aren't too many podcast interviews that we've done that that do that. Part two tomorrow is going to sh- make you shake your head even more because uh, Rich's story is just incredible. And I, you know, we talk about faith, right? What is faith in the Bible? It says being sur- sure of what we hope for and certain of what we can't see. That's what it says in Hebrews eleven uh, on faith. And I don't know how Rich Donnelly continues to have faith. Certainly, the story of Amy and, and Amy passing. Is such a heartbreaking but inspirational one, especially as a dad thinking about losing a child. But then, just trust me on this, tomorrow there's more to Rich's story than the chicken runs at midnight. And it involves his son uh, and his two daughters and even himself going through some some scary health issues. And it's just incredible uh, that this man is able to kind of maintain a faith in God through it all. Um, So I hope you enjoy part one, part two coming tomorrow here on the Sports Spectrum Podcast. And as always, we appreciate you listening and downloading and sharing this podcast wherever you share it, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, however and wherever you're listening. Just let people know about these stories because I think, um, you know, not many people are sharing these type of stories out there on the intersection of sports and faith. There's a lot of sports podcasts 
There's a lot of faith podcasts, but we don't have a lot of sports and faith podcasts out there. Uh, and so we're grateful to be able to bring that to you. So please share it and let others know about what you're hearing here at Sports Spectrum. Of course, you can find us at sportspectrum.com. And I just want to encourage you, our magazine that is out and available uh, for subscription. It's a magazine where you get four quarterly issues plus a bonus issue. So five issues of the Sports Spectrum magazine for a year. And it's just $18. So it's really, really a great deal. And when you get this magazine... In an age that still is so focused on digital and your phones and tablets and computers, uh, to have actually in your hand a magazine that you can share and give to someone uh, really is pretty cool. And it's a great uh, outreach tool. It's a great piece of literature. It's a great looking magazine, a great feel to it. You can give it to you know sports teams. You can give it to churches. You can give it to youth groups, men's ministries. It's really a great tool uh, so I highly recommend you subscribe. It's $18 for an entire year. I mean, that's just that's less than $2 a month, basically, what you're doing here. And it's a great deal. So go check it out, sportspectrum.com. Click that subscribe button and subscribe to the Sports Spectrum magazine. I promise you, you'll love it. It's a great magazine. I get to contribute to it, and our podcasts are featured in it. So I, I think you'll really like it. Go to sportspectrum.com and subscribe today. We also want to thank our sponsors here at Sports Spectrum, and that is Compassion International. They do such a great job releasing children from poverty, and we can't continue to thank them enough for being a part of this podcast and really thank them for the difference that they're making around the world. 1.8 million children being impacted by the great work being done at Compassion International for just $38 a month. You make a difference in a child's life by sponsoring them through compassion, food, education, medical care, vocational training, all done in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's the great work that's being done with Compassion International. Make a difference today. Go to Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum and sponsor a child. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast, part one with Rich Donnelly. Stay tuned for part two tomorrow. In our conversation with Rich Donnelly, the chicken runs at midnight tomorrow on Sports Spectrum. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time.